Welcome to the St. Edward's Podcast, a church filled with the Holy Spirit. We hope that today's words will draw you closer to Christ Jesus. Our gospel reading today continues the teachings of Jesus known as the Sermon on the Mount. It started last week with the Beatitudes and will continue through next week. Jesus noticed the crowds that were gathering and went up on a mount and began to teach the people. Interestingly, it was uh, St. Augustine who coined the title, the Sermon on the Mount, way back in the 4th century. So before that, I don't know what they called it, but that's what we call it ever since then. Well, in our section in today's reading, we find two metaphors that describe the impact that a believer has. The people on God should be like salt, and they should be like light. Jesus declares, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Now, salt has a lot of uses. In fact, I came across a Reader's Digest article online that listed over 60 uses of salt. No wonder it's been used. Yeah, 60 different ways for it to be used. But if the salt loses its impact, its saltiness, what is it good for? Salt brings out the best in things. As author and pastor Eugene Peterson puts it, you're here to be a salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You see, because we are here to help people know what God is doing on this earth. And Jesus goes on to say, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Light obviously enhances our ability to see. In fact, without light, we can't see at all. Light is never meant to be hidden. What good is it for then? No one turns on a lamp in a dark room and then puts a box over it. That would be ridiculous. I certainly wouldn't do that in the morning as I'm getting ready for church. <laughs> light helps people see. You can't help but notice light because it dispels darkness. Even the smallest bit of light changes the dynamic we're in. You see, we are here to help people see what God is doing on this earth. The late John Stott, a priest and scholar from England, wrote these challenging words. He says, You know what your own country is like? I'm a visitor, and I wouldn't presume to speak about America, but I know what Great Britain is like. I know something about the growing dishonesty, corruption, immorality, violence, pornography, the diminishing respect for human life, and the increase in abortion. Whose fault is it? Let me put it like this, he says. If the house is dark at night, there is no sense in blaming the house. That's what happens when the sun goes down. The question to ask is, where is the light? He goes on to say, if meat goes bad, there is no sense in blaming the meat. That is what happens when the bacteria are allowed to breed unchecked. The question to ask is, where's the salt? If society becomes corrupt like a dark night or a stinking fish, there's no sense in blaming society. 
That's what happens when fallen human society is left to itself and human evil is unrestrained and unchecked. The question to ask is, where is the church? Tough words to swallow by our dear brother from the Church of England. But there is something else that Christ mentions that struck me the most in this passage. Jesus said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The salt and light that Christ was talking about are affected by good works. Good works. Now, works, this idea of working, doing good works, has kind of got a bad reputation ever since the Middle Ages. It was taught back then that good works, sometimes called indulgences in the Middle Ages, were a way to reduce the amount of punishment one has to undergo for, for sins. In other words, works relegated the impact of sin. Therefore, some emphasized a paradigm that suggested works brought us one closer to salvation. Well, this is one area that led Martin Luther to nail his 95 Theses to the Wittenberg door, which ignited the Reformation in the 16th century, which gave birth to the Protestant church of which we are, even though we have a little bit of a foot in the Catholic church and a little bit of a foot in the Protestant church, because we like to say we're right in the middle. Well, there's a bit more to it than just that. Ever since the works has been pushed to the back seat of the car in favor of grace. And this is where a little powerful verse in Ephesians chapter 2, it's verses 8 and 9, becomes so important. St. Paul writes, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. According to St. Paul, we are saved by grace through our faith in God's faithfulness. This is not something we, we, we conjure up. Salvation is the gift of God. Salvation is not achieved by works. If it were, it wouldn't be about God's grace, his gift. It would be about our achievements, our actions, our ability to earn salvation as we go through life. But that is not the gospel. That is not Christianity. There are plenty of religions that teach works are the way to salvation, but it's not our faith. It's not what we believe as Christians. So where do good works come into this? Because Jesus clearly emphasizes good works here. We don't do good works to achieve salvation, and certainly Christ didn't say that. But because God has given us salvation by his grace through faith, through belief in Jesus Christ for our salvation, Jesus did say that, John 3, 16, we do good works. It is a response to the grace in our life God has ministered to us, and we in turn minister his love to the people around us. Our righteousness is by his grace. Our salvation is by his grace. We are the salt of the earth by his grace. We are the light of the world by his grace. Let them see this grace by our good works. So then what are good works? If they come from a relationship, from our, the grace that we've received through faith, what are these good works we do? It's really anything that draws attention to God's love and God's kingdom. 
like helping someone who has physical needs or encouraging a coworker or a neighbor. It's serving at church. It's, it's helping those who are outcasts of society. It's like Father Nelson Pender, who you may have heard of, who helped transform his neighborhood during the civil rights movement, protecting much of the city of Orlando from violence and the surrounding area. Yesterday, we had our diocesan convention. He was honored as he died just last year. It's doing the things we see Jesus and the early church doing in the scriptures. But in the context of our reading specifically, it's the works that come from displaying the be attitudes. That's what precedes our reading. People who display meekness and mercy, people who are peacemakers, believers who are pure in heart, believers who are persecuted for righteousness. And they all have to do with how we treat other people, pointing the way to Christ by good works. It was on a Christmas Eve where three children carried their candles home from church and each thought the candle precious in relationship to the commitment made in the beautiful candlelight service. One had not even lit the candle in order to keep it good as new as she treasured that. The other had the lit, uh, let the candle burn during the service and carried it forth, still lit from the church, but it blew out at the doorway when she was leaving. The third blew out his candle and took it home and lit it a number of times during the year until it was burned down into the dish. Look, said Mary, after 10 months had passed, I still have my candle, as good as new. I was smarter than the others. John's is all burned up and Eddie's just lays in the drawer half used up. Who's the smartest mother? You know how kids are. I don't know, replied the mother. Candles are made to be used. They give forth their light for whatever the user decides. Who can say what John was thinking as he did his work with the lighted candle? And who knows how Eddie feels when he opens his drawer and sees the candle? Candles have a purpose. They're meant to be lit. We are meant to use our lives by helping and being helpful to others, to love all those around us, whether you like to light candles or not. There is a spiritual light that should be in you. This is the light of Christ Jesus. And that light should shine through you and out to others to show how big Jesus Christ is. Okay, it's not how big your candle is. It's not about all of the talents you possess. It's not about all the abilities and having all the right words to say in the right moments. It's about shining the light of Christ in your life into this world. So as we reflect once again on the Sermon on the Mount, may we be rem reminded today because of the grace that Jesus Christ has given us, because of the faith we have in the cross of Jesus, because of the hope we have in the resurrection of the Son of God, in the words of Jesus, let your light so shine before people that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let your light shine. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this conversation today. 
we will continue to pray that our teachings are impacting you for the kingdom of God. If you'd like to learn more about our community, you can find us on stedwardsepiscopal.com or on Facebook. And of course, we'd love for you to visit us in beautiful Mount Dora. May God's grace fill you as you go in peace.